Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tipsy Ghost. We are your tipsy hosts, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so I know that we are going to get tattoos soon. We are. Tattoos, yes. We are. And I saw a tattoo on somebody at Walmart, and I creepily took a picture of it. Is that oh where you go for your God. tattoo inspiration? <laughs> I was walking behind them, and it was on the back of her leg. Okay. It is all of the villains of horror movies in a group shot. I've seen this on a t-shirt. Yeah, It's too. got Michael Myers and Freddy and Jason and it and all of them, and they're all just like... <laughs> Like a happy little portrait. No, they're not smiling. <laughs> are they holding their weapon of choice? They are not. It's just their faces. That is the coolest tattoo I've ever seen. You can add a uh, your serial killer of choice next to a fictional one. Or, well, yeah, let's not put a real serial killer on our bodies. Yeah, I as I said that, uh, I, Jeffrey Dahmer, please. <laughs> oh, speaking of I'll which, take a Dahmer. that comes out today. Did it come out today? The new yes. documentary. Uh, well, is it a documentary? Uh, mockumentary, whatever yeah. it is. Real life portrayal. It's like what uh, Zac Efron did for Bundy. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but it's Evan Peters, and it looks yes. real good. I didn't know when it came out, so thank you for reminding me. You're welcome. I just saw um, a preview for it. You know what else comes out soon? Hocus Pocus 2. Hocus Pocus 2. It does. When? Do you know? Eight days. Yeah. It's the 30th? I don't know the actual date. I just know that- Eight days would be the 29th. A Facebook friend had a countdown on her page and it said eight days. It's the end of September. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I know Lindsay's excited. (laughs) I might have to watch the first one again to refresh my memory, but I will watch the second one before we go to Salem. Promise. Okay, we must watch the first and second. And yeah. are you gonna bring a witch's hat to Salem? Do you own a witch's hat? I do. <laughs> well, obviously you do. <laughs> I own several hats. Um, <laughs> one of them is witchy, but it's actually Ryan's hat. She was a witch for Halloween. So is that the black one that you wore at Herman? No, that was my regular <laughs> hat. <laughs> That's a normal hat. <laughs> so insulting! Damn it! I didn't mean to insult you. I'm so sorry. Wait, wait, wait. wait. It wasn't insulting. Did I look like a witch? <laughs> yes. I'm saying you could wear that and it would look witchy to me. I, it's, it's, black. <laughs> it's in my closet. It's I was thinking about bringing it to Salem. We use it for Freddy. Yeah, it's Freddy's <laughs> costume. I have a brown one too. No, my witch hat is pointy. Thank you. <laughs> Clearly indicating the witch on the top. I don't wear hats. <laughs> Boyson, are you buying a hat for real? A witch's hat? No, I was going to take the one Sarah's out of my closet. Yeah, you you have to bring it. It's it's witchy. We can rotate hats. I've got the brown one. I was going to bring it. Look I at think us. it needs to be black, but... Look at us with hats. It's fine. I'll we wear the brown hat, one. okay? I'll wear the brown one. Oh, yeah, Sarah, Lindsay likes the brown one. Sarah did tell me that she's got a witch's costume that she's going to... A witchy Shut dress. the front door. It's a real dress. <laughs> <laughs> So offended by us and our talk of her outfits. Yes, it's a real hat. It's a real dress. These are my real clothes. <laughs> real and a real dress. That What's looks your dress? Kind of witchy. How does I, it look witchy? It's black. <laughs> oh, there I it is. I have a black dress too. It's called my funeral dress. Oh, you have a funeral dress. <laughs> well, the funeral dress has to come to Salem. No, it's like a funeral dress. It's only for funerals. Okay. I mean, like, it's just like a basic, like... The dead will know. You've worn it. <laughs> it's a basic, like, black conservative dress that it's soiled. you wear for funerals. It's been tainted. <laughs> You've worn it amongst the living. <laughs> wow. 
anyhow, what are we talking about tonight? We are going to attempt to just <laughs> scratch the surface. Yes, dip our pinky toe in the ocean. We're just touching the tip. Of government <laughs> conspiracies. Just the tip. Of one of the most well-known government <laughs> conspiracies. It's yeah. not really even a conspiracy. It's not. It's, it's not. It's a real thing. happened. <laughs> But there's a lot of conspiracies that kind of play into this real thing that happened. And it's shocking that these things happened at all. Yeah. So, so what is it? MK Ultra is what we are going to just briefly talk about. <laughs> we want to put this out there that we know that there's a lot more to this story and several other stories that play into it. But, you know, we thought it would be interesting to talk about. Yeah, it's like MK Ultra is this umbrella yeah. project, and then there's so many offshoots or <laughs> sub-projects, -proje project, mm -hmm. and each really deserve their own episode. Totally. So we touch on them briefly, but yeah. possibly more to come in future episodes. Yeah, honestly, I think that it just sparked my interest in several other sub-projects, and I don't really know what to call them, because like you said, they're not really conspiracies. These things happened they, yeah <laughs> they are uh actual spiracies yes shady government dwellings true spiracies let's get into this get this into is gonna it. be a, a thick one yeah it is thick thick um according to all things interesting during the 1950s and 60s the cia used brainwashing hypnosis and torture on thousands of subjects brutalized by the infamous project mk ultra experiments Ugh. It's starting out terribly. It doesn't get better. You're doing a great job. She didn't mean you're doing terribly. <laughs> oh, yeah, not I, I you. I know. I'm pretty confident. <laughs> yeah. So we get to the experiments and all the things later in the episode. But before we get down to the nitty gritty, I'm going to give you a brief background on the circumstances surrounding everything. <laughs> So, I don't know, trigger warning? Sure. Like, yeah. I know it's real life, but these things are... Torture and... It's ter Nazis and... It's still terrible to human, hear about, yeah. Human experimentation. Of course. It's not good. It's the 1950s and the height of the Cold War, and the Soviet Union was thriving in terms of technological advancements. The U.S. government felt like it was falling behind in several areas, one of which was interrogation techniques. <laughs> How do we question the people and get all the answers we oh, want? Oh, my gosh. They're not giving us the answers we want. We're falling behind. They're doing all these other things. We foiled. need to catch up. We've been foiled. They keep lying to us. <laughs> there was a lot of paranoia within the CIA to mm -hmm. the point that their counterintelligence chief, James Angleton, believed that there was a mole who had infiltrated the organization at the highest level. There were some reports that suggested that North Korean and Soviet forces had developed mind control capabilities, so the United States said challenge accepted, and thus MKUltra was born. Hate it. It was not a good time in history. Hate it all. Mm. Lots of paranoia. Yeah, well, mm. we'll get into we'll get into that. I mean, good reason. Yeah. On April thirteenth, nineteen fifty three, CIA Director Alan. Duels. Not a good guy. Uh, he ordered the start of the project, and it was quickly headed by a chemist and poison expert, Sidney Gottlieb. Even more concerning than being a poison expert was his nickname, the Black Sorcerer. Uh, that's not a good nickname to have as a chemist. <laughs> uh, or the head of a very, you know, important, quote unquote, project. 
about mind control. Yeah, especially because one of his main goals was to develop mind control drugs and create a truth serum to be used against Soviet spies and prisoners of war in order to gain intelligence. I mean, this man is truly a mad scientist. Yeah. Yeah, he is. The project was conducted through various experiments or sub-projects without the subject's knowledge or consent, and in some cases, academic researchers were funded through grants from CIA front organizations, and these re- researchers were generally unaware that the CIA was using their work for these types of purposes. So I think of it as like these academic researchers think that they're trying to better life and just come up with solutions for things. And they think, oh my gosh, I got this great grant and come to find out it's from the CIA because they want to find out about how to control people. They were not knowing where the money was coming from. Right. They were just taking it. And informed consent, like you said, is not... Oh, no, it's, it's not, not a, a play at all here. No. No. What is that? <laughs> um, a later declassified MK Ultra document indicates the size and range of all of MK Ultra, and it refers to the study of an assortment of mind altering substances. So these are described as there's a few of them, quite a few substances which will promote illogical thinking and impulsiveness to the point where the recipient would be discredited in public (laughs) in private it's fine but private is fine do what you want substances which increase the efficiency of mentation and perception which seems okay materials which will prevent or counteract the intoxicating effect effect of alcohol also seems okay yeah Materials which will promote the intoxicating effect of alcohol, so make it more intoxicating, Uh does not seem like a great thing. Thumbs down. Materials which will produce the signs and symptoms of recognized diseases in in a reversible way so that they may be used for malingering. So you're going to make people feel like you have a certain disease. Yes. And say like, whoops, never mind. (laughs) Major look. Fake. Materials which will render the induction of hypnosis easier or otherwise enhance its usefulness. Substances which will enhance the ability of individuals to withstand privation, torture, and coercion during interrogation and so-called brainwashing. That sounds lovely. (sighs) Boy, okay. Materials and physical methods which will produce amnesia for events preceding and during their use. So that way they don't remember Physical what happened. Physical methods, right. Mm-hmm. Physical methods Just of producing shock and yeah. confusion over extended periods of time and capable of surreptitious use. Concussions. <laughs> you yep. give lots of concussions. Yeah. That's why I said they just beat the shit out of you. And, uh, well, it's covered. Don't remember what happened. It's Not covered in these list of things. It's fine. Substances which produce physical disablement, such as paralysis of the legs, oh acute God. anemia, etc. Substances which will produce pure euphoria with okay. no subsequent letdown, which that sounds fun. I mean, yeah. That, that doesn't high. exist. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they failed that sub-project. Yeah. Um, substances which alter personality structure in such a way the tendency of the recipient to become dependent upon another person is enhanced. <laughs> okay. Like Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, you can... 
codependent. Mm-hmm. A material which will cause mental confusion of such a type the individual is under its influence will find it difficult to maintain a fabrication under questioning. So they can't lie. They can't lie. <laughs> okay. Truth serum. <laughs> right. Substances which will lower the ambition and general working efficiency of men when administered in undetectable amounts. Substances which promote weakness or distortion of the eyesight or hearing faculties, preferably without permanent effects. Oh, preferably. Not nec. <laughs> preferably. Okay. A knockout pill, which can be surreptitiously administered in drinks, food, cigarettes, and an aerosol, which will be safe to use, provide a maximum of amnesia, and be suitable for use by agent types on an ad hoc basis. Jeez. <laughs> And just that's the where Ruthie fact came from. That they have all of the shit at their fingertips for mm-hmm. disposal is horrifying. Too much power. Yes. The final one a material which can be surreptitiously administered by the above routes and in which, in very small amounts, will make it impossible for a person to perform physical activity. Oh my God. It, they just got worse, I feel like. Oh, yeah. As they go on. So one subproject was the Navy's top secret perfect concussion program where suboral frequencies were supposed to be able to erase memory, but the program was never carried out. And what it reminds me of is the men in black, the little thing that they click uh-huh. and it kind of knocks their memory. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of them. A little background for the next project, which is my least favorite. They're all terrible, but this one... Makes me feel icky inside and out. Yeah. So we all know the main events of World War II, including the Nazis and concentration camps, and how Nazi doctors experimented with subduing and controlling human minds. Mm-hmm. Project Paperclip was a secret U.S. intelligence program in which more than 1,600 Nazi German scientists, engineers, and technicians were taken from former Nazi Germany to the United States to be employed by the United States government. I don't like that. Nazi torturers were recruited to continue to experiment on thousands of subjects. And they were the ones to instruct CIA officers on the lethal uses of sarin gas. Yeah, this is absolutely horrifying, terrible, disgusting. But um, for some reason, this is the one that kind of got me down the path of MKUltra. So I kind of went at it backwards. That Project Paperclip is what I heard of and was interested because then you start learning about Nuremberg trials, which came before Project Paperclip. But right. that's how I went and learned about all all this. It all started with a show, okay, on Amazon Prime. And I know I've mentioned it a bajillion times. I think times. I watched the same show because I, I think we wrote down the same things. This what sh- show? Um, well, this show was fiction. Show. Like a fictionalized <laughs> version of events. Correct. Yes. yes. Not real. Right. Uh-huh. Oh, and if I can't remember the name of it, of course, but it had everything to do with what we're talking about, like the uh, Nazi ex-scientists and doctors that were brought to the States after World War II and incorporated into programs such as NASA. And we basically used their brains to further those types of anything that we had with the government. And then there were still Nazis, though, that were amongst these people brought over. Um, a lot of them had their identity changed and were supposedly anonymous, but yes. then some of them were still Nazis. 
You've mentioned the show before. I know. And that's how I fell down this rabbit hole because Mm -hmm. it all, it turns out to be kind of a very true thing. Yeah. That all this happened. Once I remember it, I'll uh, remind you. Let us know. Later in the 1960s, MKUltra turns into MK Search as a joint project between the U.S. Army Chemical Corps and the CIA's Office of Research and Development to find new offensive use agents with a focus on those that would incapacitate people. MK Search then gets divided into two projects, MK Often and MK Chickwit. MK Often was to deal with testing and behavior and toxicological effects of certain drugs on animals, but then they transitioned that to humans. <laughs> M.K. Chickwit was concerned with new drug developments in Europe and Asia and then acquiring samples. By 1971, over 26,000 potential agents had been acquired for, quote, future screening. The CIA was also interested in bird migration patterns for chemical and biological warfare research. Gosh, this gets worse. This subproject was subproject 139, designated Bird Disease Studies at Penn State University. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. It was 139, so there was 138 before that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All in all, the agency ended up pouring millions of dollars into studies examining ways to influence and control the mind and to enhance its ability to extract information from resistant subjects during interrogation. I found out the name. It is called Hunters. Hunters. I was going to say, because it's something about Nazi hunters. It, it is. It's just called Hunters. It's on Prime Video, and it is with Al Pacino, and it is very good. Okay. Yep. So Boydson mentioned that they spent millions. To be exact, they spent at least $10 million, which is $87.5 million in today's times. Thank you for converting. The Appreciate website that. I was reading did it for us. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, website. And that is, like I said, at least that much money. That's just what the CIA documents that they recovered show. So I'm sure there was more that was spent that they were not tracking, sure. to say the least. All right. So we're going to start with the people that they started experimenting on were, of course, Americans. So first, they decided to try LSD to test. The so list? The list. Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Okay, proceed. I just got that. LSD. That's what that's about. We talked about this, this on the I podcast before. Exactly. No, I know that that song is about LSD, but I just got Lucy, Sky, Diamonds. Yeah. <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. I'm glad we We're finally here. got there. Here we are. So the CIA was testing whether they can make Soviet spies defect against their will and... They also wanted to see if the Soviets were doing this to our own operatives. I mean, yeah. In 1976, the Freedom of Information Act obtained documents from John D. Marks with the CIA. So this is where we're getting some of this information. So those documents show that back in 1953, the CIA considered purchasing 10 kilograms of LSD, which is enough for 100 million doses. That seems like a lot of LSD. That is a ton (laughs) of LSD. But also they could just like decide how much LSD they wanted to give somebody. So while it might have been 10 million doses. 100 million. Oh, sorry. 100 million. One person may have gotten 100 doses. Right, right. (laughs) They never knew. Who knew? Yeah, exactly. That's terrible. Um, So they did purchase some quantities from Switzerland. So they were getting it from other countries. and they Switzerland? I know. Switzerland was not being neutral. neutral. They make LSD? Apparently. They're a huge supplier. There's drugs everywhere. 
So they um, proposed to even stop other countries from controlling the supply of LSD, but I don't know if that actually went through, but that was what they were trying to do. Okay. So once Project MK Ultra started, they began to administer the LSD, and they were primarily doing it to um, mentally ill patients, prisoners, drug addicts, and sex workers, and it was quoted by an operative, these were people who could not fight back. That's really sad. It's yeah. terribly sad. The but dispensables, I believe they called them. The dispensables mm-hmm. and people who, like you said, yeah, would not be missed if something yep. happened. Um, so one mental patient in Kentucky received LSD for 174 days. Oh my like God. you said. That's what I mean. Getting a ton of doses. And can you imagine the addiction he probably had no, after that? Oh, there's just this is a fucking free-for-all. But they were also administering it to CIA employees, military personnel, doctors, government agents, and even members of the general public, all to study the different reactions amongst people. Yep. Like we kind of said, these were administered without informed consent and without the subject's knowledge. This violated the Nuremberg Code that the U.S. agreed to after World War II. Which was big because you basically agreed to not test on humans. Without informed consent. (laughs) Or really... Ever, but definitely without informed right. consent. But then uh, the U.S. was like, fuck it. We're privately, gonna, we're they were gonna like, we're going to do that anyways. Mm-hmm. We agree we publicly, really but see. privately, we're going to do our own thing. <laughs> we really want to see what LSD does. Okay, so yeah. don't tell. So they wanted to find a drug, essentially, that could bring out, like we said, the truth. It would make someone yeah. confess and unable to lie. Or they also wanted to find a drug that would wipe the mind clean and program them to be a, quote, robot agent. And do things and not remember it mm-hmm. and not have a conscience about it. Right. Basically be a zombie. Yes. So Operation Midnight Climax was a big one. Uh, this is where the CIA, they had all these agency safe houses in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and they set them up as brothels. And they would essentially get men to go there thinking they were going to these brothels. And then it was like, ah, surprise. <laughs> this is a CIA safe house. And they figured these men would be too embarrassed to speak out. So they dosed them with LSD and watched them through one-way mirrors and recorded them for study purposes. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a house of horrors. Is for what study getting. purposes, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Just give Who them had to study that them. footage? George White. He was the big guy on that project. Mm-hmm. There's a really it. good podcast called Operation Midnight Climax. Okay. So in other experiments, they were also um, interrogating them under bright lights with doctors taking notes. And these people were sometimes agents that were suspected of working against the U.S. in the Cold War and also other military personnel. Um, there were several deaths that resulted from these studies, but the work must continue, and they did. Yeah. And sarcasm on must continue. <laughs> they um, would use bribery, so they would, like I said, some of the people they would get would be people who were already addicted to drugs, so heroin addicts was a big one. And they were bribed into taking LSD and said, if you take LSD and let us study, you will give you more heroin. Mm-hmm. They would hold them um, until they would reveal secrets. So if you were just high on LSD but not giving up any secrets, they would keep experimenting on to you until you would give something up. So the chemist who directed MK Ultra, he also wanted to use LSD for covert operations, not just for interrogations. So he thought, hey, let's give this to high-ranking officials so that way it can influence meetings and speeches that they give, and it'll be like a temporary effect. By Sydney that you're talking about? Sydney Gottlieb? Yes. So he began to experiment by giving LSD to people in normal settings without warning, because, again, informed consent, not a thing. 
So everyone in the technical services department tried it and they would put two people in a room and they would observe each other for hours <laughs> taking notes on each other while they're both high on the LSD. I want to know how those notes look. <laughs> they were probably not accurate. This person's watching me. This <laughs> fucked up, man. <laughs> That's what I would write. I don't understand that either because I'm like, are you really getting accurate results? No, but they're probably trying to see like how it impairs your ability. Probably how to, more paranoid you get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or to just, you know, take in what you're actually seeing. Um, they also began to drug what they called outsiders. Um, so normal people <laughs> with yeah. no explanation. And they called these surprise acid trips. Surprise. Because it was a surprise. You know what? That does not sound fun. <laughs> and they were also doing it to CIA operatives. Again, like they were yeah. volunteering for this stuff or sometimes Some not. Yeah. And they would get these trips with no warning. Right. I, How horrifying to be with your boss at work. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm fucking freaking out. <laughs> so there was one where a guy got LSD in his coffee at work and he ran across Washington all psychotic and said that he saw a monster every time a car passed him. <laughs> He was Poor just having guy. his morning coffee at the CIA and somebody slipped him LSD. And a lot of the times they didn't even tell him after the fact that no. they had LSD. So they went on their whole life thinking, what in the fuck happened to me that day? Don't drink the coffee at the CIA. <laughs> Seriously. It's a surprise acid trip. Ooh. Some participation, like I said, was consensual. Um, and if it was, they were picked to participate in the more extreme experiments. So one case had seven volunteers in Kentucky, and for 77 days straight, they got LSD. (laughs) Can you imagine what their brain is like? Mm -mm. Um, MKUltra ultimately dismissed LSD. They said it was too unpredictable after all of these tests. You don't say. They did still use it, however. um, But in 1962, the CIA and the Army developed a series (laughs) of super hallucinogens such as BZ, which was thought to have greater mind control properties. And so the research and the funding for LSD kind of dwindled away. Which I don't know if you talked about this at all, but before they even went to LSD, they tried pot first. Mm-hmm. I didn't talk about the pot. They did pot and it was Project Artichoke. It was the name of that one. And they tried to see if that would be a good drug. And it wasn't hard enough. So then they moved on yeah, to Yeah, pot's not hard enough. <laughs> LSD. <laughs> People just got too relaxed and happy yeah. on pot. They so were they were like, mm, this isn't going to work. And then I wanted to say this too, with the LSD, before they moved on to humans, they tested it on an elephant Ooh. by giving the elephant a blow dart of 10 times the amount that they a normal human would take. And the elephant freaked out, had a seizure, and died. Oh, It's horrible. And then they were like, cool works on this elephant so we're gonna go ahead and move it to I mean, humans. it killed an elephant but okay it did yeah the elephant can handle this trip so bz um it's kind of one of the lesser known drugs but it can cause delirium and cognitive dysfunction hallucinations obviously inability to perform basic tasks and is described as a military incapacitating agent it's not scary <laughs> yeah other drugs that they tried, um, in addition to the marijuana, was IV barbiturates and amphetamines. And they would have them both going into separate arms. So you'd have two IVs. <laughs> they would release the barbiturates first. And once you fell asleep, they would then put the amphetamines in the other arm in the IV. Uh, can you, can you that imagine a terrible what that feeling. would do? <laughs> yeah, you're like nicely sleeping. And then all of a sudden, it's bam, wide awake. <gasps> two conflicting die. drugs. Yeah. Mm. They also tried heroin and morphine. Uh, I'm going to need your help with some of these names. Temazepam, yeah. mescaline. Meclizine. Meclizine. Psilocybin. I think it's mescaline. Oh, is it mescaline? Mescaline. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Psilocybin, yes. Uh, scopolamine? Scopolamine, which is meclizine. Yes. Okay. That's right. Um, I was good. <laughs> alcohol, obviously, and sodium pentothal. Yes. You did it. Okay. What are some of those? <laughs> scopolamine. I like that one, right? Because it's a pretty common drug. We use it in patches for motion sickness. Okay. And in high doses, um, it can really fuck you up, man. And turns out it's in the same category as, uh, what did I say? Peyote? Peyote. Peyote. Oh, yes. Peyote. Yeah. So it's no joke. Mescaline? Mescaline. I don't remember which one they used with the Nazis. It was either mescaline or meclizine. And I feel it's mescaline. Con- mescaline is a uh, psychedelic. Okay. And psilocybin? It's also a psychedelic. Okay. And then temazepam? It's a sedative that can treat insomnia, also restless legs. Hmm. Sodium pentothal. It's in the benzodiazepine category. Lethal injection drug. <laughs> Proceeds. <Yes. laughs> they also study hypnosis as well, but didn't get really anywhere yeah. with that. That's a tough one. So then they were like, you know, we've experimented on Americans a lot. Let's move to Canada. Let's go to our neighbor to the north. All right, so the CIA recruited British psychiatrist Donald Ewan Cameron, and he is a big player here. He was Mm -hmm. the creator of the psychic driving concept. So this is a psychiatric procedure that he created in the 50s and 60s where patients were subjected to a continuous, repeated audio message on a looped tape to alter their behavior. While they're listening to this, they were administered muscular paralytics to subdue them. And then would listen to hundreds of thousands of repetitions of a single statement. Oh my god! You know those creepy pasta stories we talked about? They're sounding more the and more Russian real. sleep experience. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he came up with this in Britain. So the intent here is to break down the subject's personality in order to establish a new one. So he later further developed this into a procedure called depattern depatterning which involved massive doses of ECT with large doses of LSD. And we're going to get to that here in a sec. (laughs) So the CIA was like, hey, Cameron, we like what you're doing. Let's bring you over here. But let's go to Canada. (laughs) So they bring him to Canada. (laughs) And like I said, Cameron had originally like the psychic driving, what he came up with was not to be used for evil. He developed it because he was hoping to treat schizophrenia by erasing existing memories and reprogramming the psyche. So he was wow. trying to help fix that. And the CIA <laughs> like, took like advantage of that. Here. We want to use this. But let's make this evil. <laughs> right. Evil. So they bring him over to this, or they bring him over to Canada, sorry. And he would commute to Montreal every week to carry out MK Ultra experiments at McGill University from 1957 to 1964. And he was paid over half a million dollars. Jeez. Like in today's time, it's half a million dollars. So the research funds were sent to him by a CIA front organization, the Society for the Investigation of Human Ecology. (laughs) And internal CIA documents we now have access to show that Cameron had no idea this was funded by the CIA. Yeah, nothing to see here. It's about ecology. Yes, in Canada. We're super nice here. Don't question us. This is a very... So he had no idea. Good name. Um, So the de-patterning that he developed. So he was giving 30 to 40 times the normal power of ECT. To one person. Oh, no. Remind us what ECT is. Electroconvulsive shock therapy. So basically they put, well, nowadays they put you under, you're in anesthesia, and they administer shocks throughout your body. And it's used for severe depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, catatonia kind of things. So it's electricity being put into your body, and he's giving 30 to 40 times the amount of power. 
With the intent to... To put them into, like, basically drug-induced comas. Okay. For weeks at a time. To reprogram the to brain To play or... the tape loops. Got it. Repeatedly. To so, reprogram the brain. Back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, what does ECT look like? They were not put under, mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately. And they would basically be strapped down, like restrained, and they would have like something, I forget what's called in their mouth, like the it's gag. Basically like a ball gag. Yeah, to prevent you from biting off your tongue and choking on your tongue to death. And they would just administer that and your whole body like convulses. Mm-hmm. And they're doing the LSD before, after, during? I will get to that. Okay. <laughs> so I was hoping maybe it took the edge off. It, it did not. Oh, um, the longest time that he had someone in a drug-induced coma was for three months. Three months? Listening to that tape loop repeatedly. That's a long time to be in a coma. That's a very long time to be in a coma. And yes. listen to the same thing over and over again. I would think the risks of being in a coma that long is not good. Yeah. A drug-induced coma, not a natural coma. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Shit. That's intense. So, um, yes, he would administer the LSD after the ECT, and then basically they were studying them to see if things were reprogrammed. And what they did find was that the patients suffered permanent effects such as urinary incontinence. Yeah. Duh. Weird. Amnesia. Again, duh. Uh Forgetting how to talk. Forgetting people such as their parents. And Uh even thinking that their interrogators were their parents. Oh, gosh. Yeah. hate that all. The people who um, he experimented on were patients who checked in voluntarily for mental health treatment because that's what ECT was used for. So people suffering from postpartum depression and anxiety, um, which obviously did not fix Housewives with the hysteria. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, all those horror movies that they're doing all this shock therapy. I mean, shock therapy was terrible back then. Yeah. It's much more humane now. Yeah. But back then it was terrible. And I, like you would get burns from the electricity. So I can't imagine 30 times the normal power of that. (laughs) Like I'm surprised that nobody died. And intentionally frying your brain with LSD. Mm -hmm. I'm yep. not convinced nobody died. <laughs> I'm not convinced of that either. I couldn't find right. anything that they did, but... Of course you can't. <laughs> I don't believe the CIA. <laughs> yeah. So Cameron became known worldwide um, for all of his research he was doing. And again, they didn't know why he was doing it. He didn't know why he was doing it. <laughs> He's trying to cure schizophrenia, I remember. <laughs> so he became the first chairman of the World Psychiatric Association. He became the president of the American Psychiatric Association and the Canadian Psychiatric Association. And in Britain, meanwhile, another psychiatrist named William Sargent at St. Thomas Hospital in London sees this and is like, I'm going to expand on this as well. So he began experimenting on his patients at the mental health hospital without their consent and caused similar long-term damage. And he was also involved with Britain's secret intelligence service. The mid-1900s baffle me. Yeah. It was just a a fucking free time. Like, Everyone thinks the Cold War was kind of like the Soviets and the U.S., but, like, uh-uh. Britain is over here doing this stuff, too. Canada. Canada was doing this the, stuff. Switzerland was giving us fucking LSD. Switzerland? Get out of here. I expected more out of you, Switzerland. I'm disappointed with you. <laughs> disappointed with all of us, <laughs> really. In the okay. <laughs> so back to Cameron. In the 1980s, several of his former patients sued the CIA for damages. Mm-hmm. And I tried to look into more of this, and I could not find anything, so I don't know what happened. It's been redacted. I have a few of things on lawsuits, but not much, so <laughs> I'll get to those. Alfred McCoy wrote, quote, stripped of its bizarre excesses. The real McCoy? 
Another night, another day. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Cameron's experiments, building upon Donald Hebb's earlier breakthrough, laid the scientific foundation for the CIA's two-stage psychological torture method, end quote. So the first stage in psychological torture is you create a state of disorientation. And then the second stage, quote, you create self-inflicted discomfort in which the disoriented subject can alleviate pain by capulating. What's capulating? Cease to resist an opponent or an unwelcome demand. Surrender. To give up all resistance. So can alleviate pain by surrendering, basically. Oh. Surrender yourself. Why didn't they just say that? I know. Capulating sounds smarter. I capulate. Alfred McCoy's very smart. (laughs) (laughs) This is me capulating. (laughs) I'll capulate all over this place. I think you understand. Put my hands up. In capulation. (laughs) (laughs) It'd probably be like if you... Have you ever seen when they translate the song into one language and then translate it back to English? It's ridiculous. (laughs) It's so ridiculous. That's what it would be. I'm a survivor. I won't capulate. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's what it would be. Ironically, through all this, Cameron was even called to the Nuremberg trials and did a psychiatric evaluation on one of the doctors on trial. Oh, no. He learned a lot from that experience. Did he? He did that before all this. Did he learn enough? He did not. Yeah. He literally was studying and evaluating one of the doctors, uh, Rudolf Hess. And then he goes on to do all of this. Yeah, sure. I will do human experiments. Wink, wink. Like, even if he didn't know I'm if it was for frying. the CIA, which I can believe that because the CIA was sneaky. But you're still not supposed still to. doing stuff that was not okay. You're still not supposed to do human experiments. You're still giving people ECT and LSD without their consent. And that's okay. just the surface. I know. That's just what we know. That's the scary part. All right. Next country we're going to go to is Denmark. Ooh, the Danes. The Danes. All right. So Denmark had a centralized population register, which at the time the U.S. and Canada did not have. So I'm thinking kind of like a census. Okay. Um, So because of this, they could track participants over several years. So they were doing Uh, longitudinal studies there. I was wondering why we ended up there. Because we could track people and see (laughs) how the effects were going. So U.S. psychologist Zarnoff Mednick and Danish professor Finney Schulschinger. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. Together, they are studying schizophrenia and the progression of this in Danish orphans. So this originally grew out of QK Hilltop and later became part of MK Ultra. So in 1977, Schulzinger actually completed his doctoral dissertation on this. But by then, MK Ultra had been officially declared to be discontinued. And so his thesis became a state secret. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he did all this work and they were like, mm, no, 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 Sorry. you can't tell anyone about this. Not <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about your bad luck. Yeah, seriously. Um, so the children that they studied were required to go through frequent and harsh mental health assessments. And again, no informed consent was involved here. Right. And I don't even really want to know what harsh mental health assessments were for children. Right. Don't like it. So in December 2021, um, radio documentarian, this is just a fun fact, Per Winnick discovered 36 boxes of MK Ultra records stored at an old psychiatric center in Copenhagen. So he asked for access to it, and the center shredded the records, which violated <laughs> Danish law. Mm. They're like, mm, nobody needs to see these. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, not good. Sketchy. And that was just a few months ago. December. Hate it. Okay. Hate it. That they recently shredded them. December twenty twenty one. After all of this were. has come out. 
Yeah, they're still like, absolutely not. We're not going to let people see this. We only know of a fraction. Yes. Like a teeny tiny percentage. 36 boxes. Can you imagine all the records in that? Ugh. Shredded. Makes me so angry. Mm -hmm. Secret detention camps. Sounds familiar. Don't Don't like like it. it. (laughs) I don't like it. So the CIA then was like, we've gone to Canada, gone to Denmark. Where else can we go? Let's expand and go to um, areas that are under the U.S. control. So parts of Europe, East Asia, Japan, Germany, and the Philippines. And they created these in these areas so that way they could avoid criminal prosecution in the U.S. Mm. Tricky. All the ick. Clever. Don't like it. So the CIA captured people. I'll let you imagine what that entailed. Mm-hmm. Um, these were people suspected of being enemy agents and other, like you said, expendable people to undergo various types of torture and human experimentation. Some of the experimentation was electroshock therapy while receiving drugs. They were subjected to extreme temperatures, so high highs and low lows. Uh, sensory isolation, which to me is like... Oh my gosh. One of the worst, I would think. That's your your creepypasta. Mm-hmm. So they did all of these and more um, brutal forms of interrogations to develop a better understanding of how to destroy and control the mind. These were all just suspects. Nobody was actually even right. confirmed. They were just like, Suspected eh, of being suspicious. enemy agents, which during the Cold War, everybody was yeah. suspected of being an enemy agent. And you could say, well, yeah, in any other country, but they were doing it here, too. So So they were just basically going off soil to do brutal forms of punishment and torture. Where they couldn't get in trouble. Where they couldn't get in trouble because they're not on U.S. territory. That feels illegal. All right. In 1973, CIA Director Richard Helms ordered all MKUltra files to be destroyed. This came shortly after the Watergate scandal. So you can understand kind of maybe why they were like, oh, shit, we got to get rid of these. Because the people weren't trusting the government (laughs) after Nixon. I wonder why. (laughs) Nobody trusts the government. Weird. They might look at us next. Weird. Most of the documents were destroyed, making it impossible to do a full investigation, which we've already touched on a couple of times so Mm -hmm. far. In December of 1974, the New York Times wrote an article claiming that the CIA had conducted illegal activities in the 60s. You don't say. (gasps) No. (laughs) Including, shocker, experiments on U.S. citizens. Mm -hmm. But this was now becoming public, right? We were Mm -hmm. writing news articles. People are reading about it. It's becoming a problem. So this prompted investigations by the U.S. Congress to look into illegal activities of the CIA, FBI, and intelligence-related agencies of the military. So everybody involved. Mm -hmm. Congress made a special committee. (laughs) There's all these special projects and special committees. And this one was led by Frank Church. And it was called the Church Committee. How clever. Mm, I love it. Yeah. He's like, you know what? Let's name it after me. Sir Church. In summer 1975, a report created by the church committee was released to the public. And it stated that the CIA and Department of Defense conducted experiments on both unwitting and willing participants. So like, well, some people agreed to it. It's fine. This was part of a program to learn how they could influence and control. We've talked about this several times, but I wrote it in mind because I didn't read yours already, Mm -hmm. but about, uh, you know, human behavior by using psychoactive drugs. And Lindsay covered all the different types of drugs, so I won't repeat it, but the report concluded that prior consent was obviously not obtained from any of the subjects. So this is important because they're, you know, addressing the fact that they 
Oops, we did not get consent from... Who needs consent? Anybody. What is that? Surprise acid trip. Bomb. <laughs> that was me throwing it in your drink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Except for... Yeah, they just like hit it behind yes. an acid floater. No biggie. Um, the report also revealed that at least one subject named Frank Olson died after taking LSD. I'll get into his details here in just a little bit. Um, but the information given in this report was taken from the files that survived the initial destruction. Sidney Gottlieb, who at this time was retired from CIA, but had been previously in charge of MKUltra, um, he was interviewed. But weirdly enough, he just could not remember any of the details that happened during his time leading the project. That is so weird. Too much LSD? Yeah. Or conveniently, just forgot. I think both, because I did hear that he also took the LSD. I mean, everybody was taking it. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he couldn't remember some of that because of it, but also hmm, convenient. Mm -hmm. So in 1976, the church committee made some recommendations to then president Gerald Ford. The first executive order on intelligence activities, which prohibited experimentation with drugs on human subjects, except with the informed consent in writing and witnessed by disinterested party. Do you think I'm just coming back to this? Do you think that they purposely took the LSD? As they were administering it, so that way they could plead, like, hey, I don't remember anything. I would not doubt it at all. Like, maybe it was by design that they did that. Yeah. I mean, I would not put anything past them. I think they knew. Because why else would you experiment on yourself? Like, that always seems weird to me. Unless they heard, like, how great it was from some people. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> but then they saw the other ones, like, running through town, seeing monsters everywhere. I mean, listen, that was a surprise acid trip. You can't blame it. It, it, was, it was a bam. Surprise it could tech. have been their own addiction. Yeah. Um, right. And also they hopefully by now realize that, like, larger doses were not so great. So smaller doses were okay. And yeah. they were kind of fun. In 1977, the Senate created a new committee to look even further into MK Ultra. So remember those documents that were destroyed mm -hmm. in a surprise turn of events approximately 20,000 of them had been stored in a financial records building so we look to these now for any evidence that we have these files dealt with how mostly how mk ultra was funded so all those people that we experimented on that isn't really too detailed but we did talk about or they were able to read about how the project was funded and that's kind of when we start finding out that Canada was more involved than we thought uh, initially. Oh, so Canada. disappointed in I you. Know. Canada, come on. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. You and Switzerland, I had high hopes. You guys are supposed to be the nice guys. <laughs> At least better than we are. We but. know that we're not nice, okay? <laughs> we know we're kind of a bully sometimes, a lot of times. Uh, <laughs> yes. So not only were they fully aware, but they contributed an additional $500,000 in funding to the experiment. So. Canada. Stop giving us money when we're doing bad things. <laughs> Do you think maybe they thought something good was going to come from it? I don't know. Like, that's what kind of makes me sad reading through a lot of this is, like, some of the people who were involved genuinely were trying to help, like, mental health and trying to do things for that community. Yeah. And it got twisted. Like, they really just pulled one over on them mm -hmm. and said, like, it's going to be amazing. Like, we're studying the mind and trying yeah. to fix schizophrenia and all of this stuff. And they're like, let's study giving... the mind and demolish it. <laughs> we're just giving Canada all the credit. They didn't know any better. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, we you... pulled a fast one. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> 
So these documents, they also gave just a little more insight on the death of Frank Olson. Basically, the CIA admitted that um, the officers conducting the monitoring on Frank weren't exactly qualified scientific observers. What? I am shocked. On September 28th, 1994, many years later, the U.S. General Accounting Office issued a report that stated between the years of 1940 and 1974, the Department of Defense and other national security agencies studied, and this is where they admitted, to thousands, uh, thousands of human subjects by performing tests and experiments involving hazard experiments. And a quote from the study is as follows. Quote, working with the CIA, the Department of Defense gave hallucinogenic drugs to thousands of quote-unquote volunteer soldiers in the 50s and 60s. In addition to LSD, the Army also tested, can't pronounce it, quinoclidal, quinoclidinol. I think that might be BZ. Benzolate? Probably. I'm one. Oh, yeah. It says right here, a hallucinogen named BZ. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that that's what that was called. Okay. Many of these tests were conducted under the so-called MKUltra program. So again, this is their words. So this is why it's important. Established to counter perceived Soviet and Chinese advances in brainwashing techniques. Between 1953 and 1964, the program consisted of 149 projects Hmm. under MKUltra involving drug testing and other studies on unwitting human subjects. So again, back to the deaths. It's basically impossible to know the exact number of deaths. They wouldn't have been honest with it. They wouldn't have been honest and they destroyed most of the records and the records that we have have to do with mostly financials. So except for Frank, Frank's important. Frank's a well-known one. Yeah. So Frank was a U.S. Army biochemist and a biological weapons researcher. He's kind of a a big deal. Yeah. Sounds very smart. I think so. In the CIA. He worked for the CIA. In 1953, he was given LSD without his knowledge. Surprise, that's a trip. (laughs) Yeah. Thing. Those will get you. One week later, though, Frank died by suicide after jumping out of a 13-story window. His death was later described as suicide that occurred during a psychotic break. Which, okay, if you're taking large amounts of LSD, mm-hmm. you can see why it was probably written off pretty easily. Like, right. man, that sucks. But also, nobody was questioning why he took large amounts of LSD. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, again, the doctor that was supposed to be monitoring, he said he fell asleep in the other room um, and just didn't see what happened at that time. Convenient. Right. I don't believe that. Right. Frank's family didn't believe it either, and they really fought for him. So they believed that he was murdered because he had some – he had become a security risk uh, who might give up the classified secrets of the CIA because he worked for them, and now he's been dosed with – LSD, and he's kind of a loose cannon. He might say some things. So a few days before he died, Frank quit his position as chief of the Special Operations Division at Dietrich, Maryland, or now Fort Dietrich, because he was struggling with the biological weapons research that he was doing. Some of these concerns included the assassination materials created by the CIA, the use of biological warfare materials in covert operations, experimentation with biological weapons in populated areas, all bad things and collaboration with former Nazi scientists under the operation paperclip, which we talked about. And the others are LSD mind control research, which we've mentioned several times Mm -hmm. and the use of psychoactive drugs um, during interrogations under a program known as project artichoke. He was basically like the one guy who was questioning the morality of all they were doing. The one guy that's documented. Yeah. 
Yeah. Who questioned it and look at that. He wound up dead. His family said that he was questioning. Yeah. All of this stuff. And, and you can see why. I mean, these are big red flags mm-hmm. <laughs> to most of the population. Um, so Frank's body was actually exhumed in 1994. Mm. And forensic evidence showed that he had certain cranial injuries that indicated that he'd actually been knocked unconscious before he fell from the window. Mm. His death was then ruled a homicide by a medical examiner. Change of events. I believe it. I do too. So in 1975, Frank... Olson's family. So he was exhumed way later. 94, you said. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But after the family fought, they were actually given money in the amount of $750,000 from the government and a formal apology. (laughs) Please accept our apologies for your dead loved one. It was President Gerald Ford and CIA Director William Colby. Sorry, we gave him so much LSD. Yeah. But you know how they are. They're like, well, he kind of volunteered to take it, but we're sorry he died. Like, we're not going to take responsibility for it. Of course. Later on, the family decided to go ahead and try try to file a lawsuit again against the U.S. federal government for the wrongful death of Frank Olson, but the case was dismissed in July of 2013. Do you think it was dismissed because they had already received money and... Um, I think that the government will do anything to not own up to any more problems with it. Yeah. So if they can find a loophole with anything, they're going to be like, no, that's well, just my theory. Like, we already apologized and gave you money. What more do you want from us? <laughs> gave you a formal apology. We yeah. gave you some money. So just, yeah, I think that's what happened. Yeah, I believe that. So just a few of the legal issues, as you can probably imagine, after the news came out that the CA had done these terrible things, several more survivors began to speak up, and the government tried really hard to avoid any legal liability. But several people received money through court order, out-of-court settlements, or acts of Congress. So just kind of makes you wonder, like, are they admitting? Of course, you have to admit some guilt if you're paying these people. Right. A man named James Stanley attempted to file a lawsuit against the government, but was unsuccessful. And the government said that he couldn't sue because of the Ferris Doctrine. And the Ferris Doctrine is basically a legal doctrine that prevents members of the armed forces who are injured while on active duty from successfully suing the federal government. So Mm. saying, "Eh, you can't. Okay. suck. Another man named Wayne Ritchie, a former U.S. Marshal, alleged that the CIA laced his food and drink without his knowledge while at a Christmas party in 1957. And although the CIA admitted that, yes, they had been drugging people at that time without them knowing, Wayne can't prove that it was us that did it. So, too bad for you, Wayne. Was the CIA going to Christmas parties? (laughs) Well, his case was dismissed. (laughs) They were like, you can't prove it was us. He's like, I worked for you. I was at your Christmas party. And then he says, as a result of this <laughs> food and drink that he had, um, he attempted to commit a robbery at a bar and ran across town <laughs> and was arrested. And they're like, it wasn't us. We you did that on your own. Just a few notable people that um, were part of the experiment. We've already mentioned several people, but to remind you, a few of the bad guys or experimenters were Donald Cameron. Sidney Gottlieb, Harris, Isbell, Martine, one, and Lewis West, among many others. These are just a few of them listed. And there were a few volunteer subjects who also happened to be pretty famous at the time. The first was an American poet named Allen Ginsberg. And he took a bunch of LSD at Stanford University and listened to any music of his choice. And he said he experienced, quote, slight paranoia that hung on all my acid experiences through the mid-60s until I learned from meditation how to disperse it, unquote. 
And he actually became a pretty big advocate for psychedelics in the 60s. And once he heard about things that had been going down with the CIA testing, he was quoted as saying, am I the product of one of the CIA's lamentable, ill-advised, or triumphantly successful experiments in mind control? This is very poetic of him. I mean, that's probably why he's a poet. (laughs) Is it a success or is it a failure? I don't know. The author who wrote One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Ken Kesey, mm-hmm. he volunteered to do LSD and other psychedelic drugs while at the VA hospital near Stanford. Okay. Turns out he pretty much liked how he felt and ended up promoting the drug. And this eventually kind of grew into what we now know as hippie culture. Mm. Uh, Robert Hunter, he was a songwriter best known for his work with Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead. And he also volunteered at Stanford to take LSD and others. And this is his own words about the experience. So sit back and picture yourself swooping up on a shell of purple with foam crests of crystal drops, soft, high. They fall into the sea of morning creep, very softly mist, and then sort of cascade, tinkly bell-like. Tinkling bell. (laughs) Must I take you by the hand ever so slowly type? No. And then conglomerate suddenly into a peal of silver, vibrant, uncomprehendingly, blood-singingly, joyously resounding bells. By my faith, if this be insanity, then for the love of God, permit me to remain insane. I'd say he likes LSD trips. I tried to uh, envision what he was saying, but the, I quickly I, was like, what? It made no sense. <laughs> I, I don't I think you like have it. to be on LSD to Probably. understand. Or, you know, like those cartoons from the 70s where they're all like hippies walking through clouds of like color changing flowers. Uh-huh. That's what I picture. What a what a place to be. <laughs> if only that was the experience for everybody. I don't yes, think it was, though. It was not. It was not. So these are the documented subjects. Of course, there were several more alleged subjects that weren't totally confirmed, but were probably definitely involved. The first was James Whitey. I thought it was Bulgar. My phone might have corrected it. It was a mobster from Boston. Um, he was supposedly given weekly injections of LSD and subjected to testing while in prison in Atlanta in 1957. Mm. So this one I found really interesting. And maybe you guys already heard about this, but I'm thinking this is another topic for us. Ted Kaczynski. Mm-hmm. The Unabomber. The Unabomber. Mm-hmm. Was said to have participated in a subproject of of Ultra during his time at Harvard. And they think that that may have been what led to... The bombing. bombing. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. They basically, he willingly participated in these studies, but it broke him down mentally, broke the ego completely down, made him feel like nothing. I'd go for that. I mean, listen, they were trying to break people's brains. They did. It's hard to tell, like, is this something that he's trying to deflect and be like, no, this is the government's fault. Or is it actually the government's fault? I think both. You see, Ted Kaczynski was a very smart man. And I think that they saw after those people, obviously, by going by scientists, mathematicians, etc. And to try to pick their brains. Probably because they think the more intelligent you are, the more strong-willed you are. Yeah. And they're trying to break that down. Sirhan Sirhan. Did you just say the same name twice? <laughs> I think that's how it is. <gasps> okay. He, they were the person convicted of killing Robert F. Kennedy and were Ooh. believed to have been... Quote, operating under MK Ultra mind control techniques. Okay. A lot of sketchy stuff. So after all this death, destruction, and deception by our own government, 
Sidney Gottlieb, as we mentioned, he retired in 1972. And after all this, he dismissed the entire project and labeled it as quote unquote useless. Basically, they learned nothing in 22 years, which I don't believe that. I feel like they learned a lot uh, of not (laughs) a lot of what not to do. Yeah. Here's what not to do. Yeah. They did not learn what they wanted, which I I still think is valuable. What not to do, how not to treat people. Right. But maybe they could have figured that out sooner than 22 years. Mm -hmm. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. Probably went on much longer, to be honest with you. I'm sure it did. Who's to say it's not still happening? Totally. Remember that MK or not MK? Montag Project? Maybe Stranger Things is real. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, this is what happens when you start looking into this stuff. You're like, it makes you what hate is people. real and what is not? And <laughs> it just makes you not. I don't like it. <laughs> it makes you not well, believe like, in the good of people. Yes. Where Where am I? Am I really in this? I know. Country that that did these things. It's terrible. What is real? Do I trust these? I'm gonna have to trust. I mean, them. like, listen. We already know that America has a very bloody history and not oh, a yeah. great one. But like, this was not that long ago. No, this was our parents' time. Mm-hmm. Blows my mind. Yeah, and things are. Uh, I mean, way more accessible nowadays. So it kind of makes you just like, hmm. Mm, nobody's the still kids really knows years what, from now going to be talking about in their podcast. <laughs> nobody still really knows what the CIA does. No, it's still so secretive. I'm not real sure the CIA is such a great thing to be honest. <laughs> don't, don't come for me. CIA. <laughs> I love you. FBI. We love you. <laughs> I didn't even talk about you. FBI. Get out of here. <laughs> Boydson's too scared to say anything. Just CIA. I said, I loved them. <laughs> I smoothed it over. That really made them feel better. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure you're very concerned about me. <laughs> All right. My brain's kind of blown right now. I know. It's a it's a lot. It's Is a lot. Is your brain blown? Mm-hmm. Well, I think I'm more um, disappointed than anything. <laughs> disappointed in us. I'm really disappointed. in the corner and think about what they've done. <laughs> they really do. Right on the chalkboard over and over and yeah. over. I just hate that, like you I said. I will not destroy human lives. <laughs> Like you said, I hate that this was right after World War II. Like, yeah. that should have been the biggest lesson in how to treat humanity. Yeah, it's such of- like a, a righteous, like, how dare you do this? Uh, but also, I'm going to do this. Right. right. Like, you, you can't get mad at me. The whole world was, like, disgusted by what happened. Yeah. Yes. And yet, other countries, the good guys, the allies, yeah. were experimenting and doing this. It's just baffling. Behind closed doors. Hate it. I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, I hope you guys hate that too. <laughs> there is no lighthearted way for us to close this out. So <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in this week. You can always find us at thetipsyghost.com with our socials linked from there or send us an email at thetipsyghost at gmail.com. Please give us a five star rating and a great review anywhere you listen to podcasts. It really does help and we really appreciate it. It really does appreciate it too. <laughs> It appreciates all of it. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks so much. We will catch you guys next week. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.